The Rubbish Podcast. This is the Rubbish Podcast, hosted by the Lagon Chef. Hello, you lovely bunch. So in this episode of the Rubbish Podcast, I'm going to be talking to my friend Nick Walden. He is a chef on a private yacht in Thailand for a very, very rich billionaire. So it'd be really interesting to hear his thoughts on food waste, sustainability and all that kind of jazz. We go quite a way back working together for a couple of years and um, it's a little trip down memory lane. So I hope you enjoy. The Rubbish Podcast. This is The Rubbish Podcast, hosted by the Lagom Chef. I, I've never been so excited to talk to someone in quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same here, man. I'm, you know, like, this is great. This is great. Um, yeah, I'm, you're, you're popping my Zoom uh, meeting virginity, so. You're, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, mate, you sound like an arsehole because all I do is spend my life on Zoom, so it's just so dull. <laughs> well, it's the way that the current climate's going these days, isn't it? With the old pandemic, things are just crazy and, um, you know, no one really knows what the rules are these days. You know, New Zealand's just gone into a, a three-day lockdown just because of three community cases. So that's like level three, you know, and the rest of the time they're just li- living like COVID-free. So yeah. Well, it's because they, they nipped it in the bud, right? L- London is like a yeah. cesspit. It's like a Petri dish for this fucking thing. It's so grim. <laughs> Petri like, dish, yeah. You know, they basically said, like, my son's nursery is about 10 minute walk that way. And yeah. it's like, everyone has to stay in their homes because they've got that South African variant. And then they're like, but yeah. no, everyone else 10 minutes away is totally fine. We just let anyone in, you know, it's just, it's just mad. It's mad. Madness. Anyway, dude, look, let's get talking. Yeah. Give me... Like your a little intro to who Nick Nick Walden isn't it? Is that how you pronounce your yes, surname? Yes, that's, that's my yep, Walden, Mister Walden. Go on, give it, give us a little intro, like a, a, a one minute intro. What you do? Uh, first of all, yeah, I'd like to say uh, Happy Chinese New Year. So I'm basically based in Thailand now, the Year of the Ox. Uh, I've been here for about a year and a half uh, on this yacht. It's my little <laughs> safe haven bubble, as you would, um, away from the virus. We're COVID-free, so, um, you know, a, a 12 crew, mainly from um, the Southern Hemisphere, Antipedian, so it's basically like going to West London and to um, Shebu <laughs> Walkabout, you know. Not quite that bad. It's uh, We've got a couple of Brits on board. I don't think Walkabouts exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, for, a good, for a good reason. That That's, that's probably <laughs> where COVID uh, started from, those Sunday sessions, <laughs> those grimy Sunday sessions at the walkie. But um, yeah, I mean, London seems so long ago now. I mean, how long has it been since um, you know, since we were slinging um, slinging pans and using razzle hanout and um, in in potato chips, you know, straight from the fryer, getting yelled yeah. at by um, head chef. I don't even know when when T- Tufnell Park days were. I was trying to think before we came on. I want to say two thousand and five. Two thousand and five. No, no, that's too early. Two thousand and nine yeah. is when I went to India. I spent a good yeah. stint there, and I remember, I remember chatting to you about it. Actually, um, you sort of almost inspired me to to go off and do something different. Um, this, I think I worked there before the Ivy times, so yeah, I'm going to say like 2009, 2010. Yeah, yeah, you you were definitely at the Tuffnell Park Tavern after the Ivy because after the Ivy, yeah, dude. Because I remember coming in 
And I, I, I remember, what was her name? I can't remember the head chef's name, but I came in and was Elise, like... Elise, Eliza. Eliza, yeah. <laughs> Eliza. <laughs> I, I applied for the sous chef job and I was just like, yeah, I've got experience. I've worked in two restaurants. I know what I'm doing. And yeah. then uh, she was like, oh, this is, uh, this is Nick. Yep. Uh, he's our sous chef. And I was like, oh, right, cool. But where do you work? And then you went, well, yeah, I've done a couple of years at the Ivy. And I was like, brilliant. Ah, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> cool. A couple of years at the Ivy on the vegetable section. Um, I spent a good six months um, triple frying potato chips, um, you know, blanching them at 130 degrees and then and then um, overflowing and flooding the whole back room from picking <laughs> boxes of spinach. But I mean, that is a proper underground kitchen, you know, that's, that's where I learned my roots and my kitchen culture. And I, I always like to, you know, I've obviously developed my own style now. Um, you know, I'm head chef, I've got a sous chef under me. Um, I sort of run my own rules, but I like to keep, you know, keep things nice and um, regimented and organized. You know, you've got to be organized because I'm basically in like a, a culinary arena where people can just like throw punches at me and they'll be like, um, can I have fish fingers um, for a one-year-old? Um, basically, yeah. Do you have fish fingers? And I'm like, I haven't seen fish fingers since, you know, <laughs> since what, what's um, Popeye's McCain's or whoever does I? them, you know, what, what are they? What, what's even in fish fingers, you know, like I go into the freezer and I find the whitest possible fish, you know, something that people that don't like fish actually like. So, you know, I'm, I'm going in there, I'm pulling out like little packets of Dover sole, some ling. I'm like, oh yeah, great. Ling's going to be good. You know, I think, I think that's going to be like a, a, a pleasant sort of flaky texture and you know you're slicing them up and you're frying them and then and then um all of a sudden the one-year-old's mum wants an adult version and you sort of like oh yeah you know i've just i've crumbed this thing to order it's it's just like absolute you know organized chaos i like to call it but um yeah you've got as a yacht chef you've got to be so adaptable you've got to be able to think on your toes sometimes i get like an hour's notice to pull off sort of like a multiple course for executives you know like he's got his mates down from bangkok <laughs> and all of a sudden i've been given this briefing and i'm like right oh, okay and then and then you have to swim ashore with it and um you know walk up uh, <laughs> like literally yeah walk up like <laughs> 10 flights of stairs get to the top with all your food and then um you know put this put this um presentation out for all my mates and um you know you just kind of make that stuff happen and that's that's sort of what super yachting is about you know it's 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 luxury and um yeah nothing really surprises me anymore with um with <laughs> weird requests you know weird <laughs> dietary requirements yeah wait wait until i'm a millionaire and i'll have a yacht and i'll bring you on board and then i'll have some strange requests for you <laughs> <laughs> mate throw them at me throw them at me I've, I've heard them all um you know like rattling off the top of my head um you know we've got we've got a vegan on board so that's quite easy these days but um you know like allergies and and the things you've really got to watch out for is like celiacs and people that are actually allergic not just trying to stay on top of trends and you know just yeah, yeah. because it sounds cool um you know i'm gonna say you know sometimes i like to throw that on the menu like a, a vegan um 
a vegan mayonnaise or something, you know, with a, a, a vegan Caesar dressing just because it's trendy. You know, you've got to stay on top of those trends. I'm like, I'm like an anti, anti-trend. <laughs> an anti-trend. <laughs> I've always, I, I see these things come up and it's like, you know, especially on Instagram, it's like, oh, you know, when Boris did his Scotch egg thing and he was like, that's a substantial meal, everyone jumped on it. And then there's just like all these things, like there's a feta dish at the minute. There's just like yeah. a dish of tomatoes, block of feta, and then it's just baked in the oven. And it's like blown it's people's be- minds. It's beautiful. It's gone full circle and I'm your biggest fan. You know, like I love, I love your work. It's just honest food, isn't it? And it's just like the amount of crap that goes into processed food these days is just unbelievable. You know, like I was, I, I was quite interested and I, I looked up the ingredients for fish fingers and what was in it, you know, and it's like something like sodium phosphoration, blah, blah, you know, and you're just like, yeah. What does that even do? You know, like <laughs> exactly, it's, it's it's stuff you can't pronounce. I mean, you, you probably work with ingredients that I probably couldn't pronounce, but you know, yeah. it's it's those weird chemical things. You're like, that doesn't sound healthy or right. Like, if if it's like an obscure fruit that has a funky name, yeah, like a dragon fruit, that's about yeah. as obscure as I can. Think. <laughs> yeah, you're like, hey, that sounds kind of cool. You yeah, know, but <laughs> tried the purple dragon fruit. <laughs> The, the Mate, tropical uh, fruit here in Southeast Asia is amazing, and, and I am yeah. loving sort of using the exotic ingredients that, that we get. Um, I've been lucky enough to have the boss pay for a course, a six-day course up in Bangkok on um, professional Thai cuisine. So, you know, like just yeah. making things from scratch, like Thai is all about balance of flavor. You know, you've got your sweet, your sour, your salty, your acid. That's basically the pillars of Thai cuisine, and they're constantly just trying to tweak them. And they use a shitload of fish sauce, especially yeah. in the <laughs> south, because it's it's it, you know like you smell it. It's like your nam jim jows, your your um you know your nam pricks. Like they're all like little dipping sauces which go with specific dishes. And I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying sort of knowing which. Namjin goes with what you know, pineapple fried rice, or or some local vegetable, or something like that. You know, yeah. it's, it's I have such bad memories really nice. of uh, fish sauce when I was in Australia. I, I, this is why I did a Thai curry the other day, and it was I was filming the video, and I said normally fish sauce goes into this, but I can't do it because I had this flashback <laughs> of when I was in a hostel in Australia. My mate Neil ran in. There was like five bunks. He ran in and went fish sauce bomb. A whole <laughs> litre bottle of fish sauce threw it against the ceiling and it just smashed everywhere. Like all of the beds, all of the floors. And that was oh. our, like, we were working in that hostel. So it was like, that was it for like months. It would have just smelled like, like, yes, like a, like a fishing village. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, I literally like when I, sometimes when I make the paste, cause um, I've been working alongside a, uh, a very nice Thai chef lady, um, just t- t- temporary wise. Um, and, you know, when she makes some of the paste, for um, uh, some of the stir fries, the, the pad thais and stuff like that. The, the Thai chilies, the bird's eye chilies is like, it is honestly like you've, you've got to put a bandana around your face because you can't breathe. It's the fumes that come off it, like the amount of chili that yeah. you're inhaling, the, you know, you're just like oh, frying off like chilies and garlic <laughs> and you're just like, this is what it's all about. It's not Thai cuisine unless you like sneeze and can't breathe and your eyes are watering and, you, and you're just yeah, like yeah. like this. You see that the famous lady, she's got a Michelin star. I don't know if um, she's on Netflix and she wears the uh, the goggles. 
and she does yeah. the she's famous for making Thai om, um, Thai crab omelets and she's literally like 70 years old huge mole on her face and um, she's got these ski goggles and she just works on the street food and I, I know 100% know why she does it you know imagine 70 years of like inhaling all those chilies and garlic and fish sauce it's just it's yeah, yeah. it's really that, that, that mole on her face is probably absorbing all of the power so she'll be all right <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the purpose of that mole yeah yeah but i'm i'm awful with like hot things anything any kind of things but like i've really been trying to educate people like when you said about like the, the flavor profiles of thai cuisine mm. and you know like it, it, it's, it's an old cuisine and people just don't know it. it's that kind of like hidden sort of like you know like the bitter the spicy yeah. the salt all of that not, like, what like balances yeah like what like hits what to balance things out or what emphasizes yeah. things yeah. and um I've been trying to explain it in like the simplest terms about, you know, something spicy and you have something sweet, then it kind Mm. of like levels it out. And this is like what I find so fascinating about cooking. Like when I was working in restaurants, I never, I was just there, you know, just, I wasn't present. I was just like getting (laughs) through service, getting (laughs) through prep, like whatever. But now when you take a step back and you start enjoying cooking again and like, you know, really looking into things and like you're going, fuck, these chefs know what they're talking about. That's making sense. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and I guess, you know, we're sort of at the same sort of part of our careers, I suppose, you know, working in professional restaurants and going out and setting up our own own businesses and stuff like that. Um, you know, it just becomes instinct, doesn't it? You know, you sort of like, you know how much sort of like, you know, seasoning to put in something. It's like a dance, you know, like if you're cooking under yeah. pressure, especially when you're trying to do things really quickly, this is quite the opposite to home cooking when you've got a glass of wine in your hand you know you you've you're multitasking you know like this is the definition of multitasking you're literally like you know you've got your deep fryer down it's like doing a breakfast um breakfast at like a really busy cafe you, you know what i mean like you've got like a table of 10 and they're all got like different parts of the menu can i have um one egg, egg poached one sunny side up and um, the second person is going to have fried. So you've, you're, you're literally trying to do everything at the same time because everything has to go out onto the table at the same time. You know, nobody wants to sit down and then just watch somebody else eat for 10 minutes whilst the, um, you know, the chicken sort of finishes off in the oven. It's, it's all got to be there, ready, yeah, yeah. hot for them to eat. You know, like it's got to have that wow factor where you sit down and you're like, wow, you know. But this is the thing. I always remember there was one time, I don't think you was there because it, it was at the Tuffman Park Tavern and I cleaned down and I was like all ready to go and then that fucking dreaded table came in like two minutes before last orders <laughs> and they were like, I think they were like Argentinians, I think I remember them and they had 10 steaks and there was 10 yeah. of them and they were like all different orders and I was like, you fuckers. So yeah. I literally was just like, but all at the same time, I was like whacking them, like, right, you're well done. <laughs> you know, trying to get like 10 states all done. And was, There's the little tricks of the trade. Yeah, yeah. I say this to a lot of people about, you know, the, the, the definite or not definition, but, you know, that, that border of home cook and like professional cook and it's like mm. you know, it is it's, it's there's no it doesn't matter how well you can mm. cook it's the multitasking element if you mm. can juggle Absolutely. You know, six different dishes in your head all at the same time and all get them out at the same time that's the thing that people don't understand they're like oh i can make a lovely bolognese it's like well done you but can <laughs> yeah. you you know warm a soup up that's got six garnishes on it also get a risotto going get a steak on the go you've got a lamb shoulder that needs warm you know all of those things like that's the difference isn't it yeah that's absolutely and and that's what a, a busy restaurant background will teach you you know and and the more you do it the the more better you get at it and um you know working under pressure is is quite an art in itself you know like that multitask um i remember you know 
when I worked in the restaurants and at the Ivy, there was one dish. It was the uh, the poulet. It was basically this massive whole roasted chicken crown. So it was just the crown. So basically it's all deboned and you've got this beautiful crown Frenched on the sides. It's stuffed with like the legs are stuffed with black truffle and foie gras. <laughs> and it takes something like an hour and a half to roast. And I remember um, this German sous chef, he used to always put one in the oven um, because the Ivy closed at like midnight. And and it was a race to get the last tube home at that time. You know, the last tube home was 12.30 to get back out west. Otherwise, you're, you're catching a night bus and you don't get home till 3 a.m. in the morning. You've got to be back at 7. You know, like this is the kind of things you do. And we used to chuck this poulet in the oven. And um, every night I used to sit on the tube because no one would order it. There was only probably once a year that someone would order at like, 11.59 this poulet <laughs> whole roast chicken and you don't want to get caught out like you know trying to roast the chicken for an hour you know like on last orders because you yeah but I used to sit on the tube with this uh, drumstick of um, you know stuffed poulet with my staff beer my little Heineken just reeking of absolutely reeking of fish because you're on the fish section you know like nobody wants to sit next to you anyway you've got Larry you've got Larry um, you know people that have been out all night this is about 12.30 now 1am and God forbid if you fall asleep on that last tube Oh man! You, you and you wake up at the end of the line. We've all been there before. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I woke up there and I like walked for an hour trying to get a taxi like along the highway. It was a disaster, yeah. but um, good times. Oh. Yeah, good, very fond memories of London. Well, the fun times I I, I remember, and it's always a story that sticks with me because I I went up there up to Tuffle Park about a year ago, and I actually went to the Tuffle Park Tavern, and we went to the Smoking Aces, that place that was on the corner, and that was where we had your last <laughs> drinks. And I fucking remember it was just me and you and probably one other person might have been Adam, the one who nicked all the money. But you got up on the bar and did the most passionate hucker that I'd ever seen. And I was just standing there like in awe because I love Kiwis. I'm like, you know, if I could be one, it would be yeah. the, the, the yeah. country I'd choose. And you were there. <laughs> like, and the guy was like, get down. And you just yep. zoned out. You were like, nah. No, nah, yeah. I'm finishing yeah. this. You've got, you've literally just got to roll your eyes back and just, <laughs> you know, you got to roll your eyes, but in the back of your head and just bat it out of the park. You know, yeah. it's just one of those things where you got to commit to it. Otherwise people think you're just being silly. <laughs> and especially after the tequila we were drinking, you know, I mean, you've, you've got to own that role, you know, like it's, it's a, you know, it's a very unique part of um, heritage and, and um, you know, Maori culture. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, language. And um, yeah, it's, it's fun to do. I, lo I love it, man. It, it, it brings like, you know, makes my spine tingle and everything. Even when I see it on the rugby, it, it like always casts me back to the smoking yeah. aces, Tuffman Park, Nick doing the hucker. No one does it better. I'm sorry. It's, no one does it better. Well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, it's just getting better and better. I mean, like, <laughs> Like as, as time goes on, the hucker seems to be evolving and it's just, it's just become this like really unique sort of, um, you know, internationally recognized um, dance. You know, you, you, you say if you're a Kiwi that you, that's one of the first things that pops up, the All Blacks and the haka, you know, like it, people think they're just like crazy people, but, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of meaning and passion behind it. And if you're in a passionate state, like I am about tequila. <laughs> Well, it was tequila and bras, wasn't it? There were loads of bras on the ceiling. <laughs> that's, that's the result. <laughs> well, I've, I've got a question. You know, when you work on a yacht, yes. what cool shit do you have in the, in a yacht kitchen that you potentially wouldn't have in a normal kitchen night? Is there any, like, gadgets or things that... Well, yeah, it's a good question. And the short answer to that is um, anything you possibly want. 
because you are spending, um, you know, multi-billion as money and you, you, you get given any kind of, um, I'm very lucky with this specific yacht that I'm on now. He really likes to stay on trend with, um, you know, like he likes to impress his guests. So if I want something, I don't really need to get it approved. Like he trusts me as, you know, my judgment as um you know as a professional and um yeah i've got i've got smoking guns this the breville smoking gun is like you know probably use that like once every two and a half months <laughs> but i mean when i do use it you know it is pretty cool you know you've got your cherry wood smokes and um what i really want to get hold of that's very original is um some manuka i don't oh, know yeah. if you know manuka honey. obviously manuka yeah. honey but the the um the wood chips if you smoke um, fish, is something from my childhood memory. Manuka smoked uh, kawai, which is like almost like a, a mackerel. It's it's like a, a sea salmon, but uh, it is beautiful on a on a hot summer's day. Just having you know a glass of wine, little little Sauvignon Blanc, or a shardy or something, you know, with some smoked manuka kawai. It is. Um, it is unbelievable, but gadgets. Going back to yachting, um, <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got the PolyScience PolyScience sous vide bath. Um, I've got Gaganels. I've got Rationales. Um, yeah, basically anything that can fit into a uh, two meter square galley. It's not the biggest galley I've worked in, but um, yeah, I'm literally like hanging things from the ceiling uh, just to create space, you know, like space is your hardest part of working on yeah. a yacht. Bench space, obviously, you know, like it, it's prized, like every little part of my bench is sort of quite valuable, you know, it's, it's highly prized. Using like tabletop um, equipment, like tabletop fryers that you can quite easily put away, you know, so you've got space. Um, things like you're putting chopping boards over sinks, you know, just if you want to fillet a fish really quickly, you've got a nice yeah. big... Um, booze blocks and i just put that over the top of the sink so i'm just like boom straight away just clean that up get that out of the way um you know i've got a 180 second cycle dishwasher yeah you name it like gadgets and all sorts i've just purchased a weighted spoon you know <laughs> coming from the ivy i've got a bit of a spoon fetish i've got a spoon collection um so i like to hunt through the markets there's um chip one market in bangkok um it's quite a famous uh, market and there's a second hand part in there and if you scrounge around some of the second hand shops you can find some really nice spoons <laughs> and, and a lot of them do come from england you know they're the, the old teaspoons and all kinds of materials maybe like a, a chinese one what are the big Chunky ones that you'd use for quinellin in uh, in like fancy restaurants. What are they even called? Because I was looking for one the other day and I didn't know what to Google. I was like googling quinelling quinella uh, spoons. Yeah, it's it's a well, it's it's a, it's a um a nice scalloped uh, dessert spoon. Scalloped. I think that was the word that popped up. Yeah, it's it's got a very nice sort of like like a nice little scalloped shape to it. You know, like quite a little deep deep part, which you when you're quinelling, that's going to give you a beautiful little. <laughs> Rocher. Or, oh, look at these words, Rocher. You know, like that's the sexy part, you know. <laughs> Rocher, you know, like. Here's a question. Food waste. My <laughs> business is all about food waste. How do you deal with food waste in right. uh, on a yacht? Every, yes, every yacht is different. Um, but we are under a flag state, the Cayman Islands, which is a British MCA. So it, it is sort of like they do have standards. And we have to be 12 miles offshore 
to be able to get rid of any waste whatsoever. Um, this is just this is law. Um, so I have worked on boats that have macerators and they macerate it down and then it is put into a tank. And then obviously, you know, it's in small particles. You can actually pump that. And, you know, this is the part of the industry, which is really, you know, it's a little, it is quite a wasteful industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's sort of like there's a lot of packaging in Thailand that, there's, you know, there's still a third world country. So everything comes wrapped in the supermarkets. You know, you've got individual wrapped avocados, you know, when you're ordering like 24 avocados, the amount of packaging that's going into that, it hurts, you know, and we try and recycle as much as possible on board. Uh, we have like a garbage room, which is, which is chilled, usually chilled because you're at sea for like, you know, a couple of weeks at a time. And, and that thing just gets honking, you know, in the, in the tropical heat, you know, you can imagine, you know, compactors, we have um, food compactors. So they, they compact all the aluminium into like one block. And then when you get to the sort of like shore, <clears throat> you can recycle that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's just up to the port really if they want to recycle it because you're basically coming into the port and you're using their facilities. So there has been some really nice ports. Um, Costa Rica, they're actually really big on um, recycling. Like they, they literally like sort everything for you. They have people like designated bins, which is great. Food waste basically goes over the yeah. side. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's like compost. You know, it's going back to to the uh, to to the mother earth. Unless, unless you have a, like, a load of vegan fishes, and they're all like, oh god, here comes that nip ship <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> well, that's uh, I mean, you, especially when you're around London, you know, the the posh fish around there, they'll only eat um, you know, they'll only eat caviar and stuff. So <laughs> it's not a snob. Snobby Brits, isn't we? Um, like here's here's one. This is always like this is gonna be sort of like the final question because it always opens up into something. This is like you know when you ask a magician to do a trick and and they're just like, oh mate, come yes. on. What like this is the chef one. It's like, what is your favourite dish to cook? If you had to cook a dish, what would what would it be? Well, I do actually get asked that quite a bit, and um, you know, Kiwi cuisine is very hard to put your finger on. Um, but I did manage to come up with a kiwi barbecue. I think barbecuing is like is one of my passions, my biggest passion, you know. And um, to to replicate a barbecue on the yacht is is kind of hard, but you know, barbecue style. Um, you've got lamb racks individual mince and cheese pies you know like our pastures obviously are very good for our meat and and surrounded by ocean seafood i absolutely love cooking seafood as a showstopper i guess um you know i like to use uv bath um you know i'm getting quite sciencey behind you know like time and temperature cooking like my cuisine is sort of like a mix between mexican flavors Japanese is new on my hit list. You know, I've just been to Tokyo uh, last year and did a six-week sushi course. Absolutely loved it. Japan is awesome. Tokyo, beautiful, beautiful um, culture, and 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 the fish is unbelievable. Ever since I've known you, like I've always seen this kind of like you know love for fish, and it must be your like your kiwi heritage. But it'd be like you know like fish that I would probably like look at in a in a fish tank and be like, that's a pretty fish. Like I would never think of eating it, but you're just like, yep, whip the collar off, barbecue that. 
you know, every part of the fish is is edible and and um, especially in a lot of third world countries, they like to use their head. There's a lot of collagen, there's a lot of gelatin and nutrients and good omegas. Yeah. And I'm all about sustainable as well. You know, in New Zealand, we, we're big on sustainable now. So that's the way the future is going. Um, there's a, a, a great fishery, which I love using called Leaf Fisheries. And, you know, they'll send you photos of the fishermen um, just down to earth, like Kiwi blokes and, and it's all long line yeah. caught. So meaning that they can only, you know, they only take what they catch by hand. There's no net. So they're not sort of taking more than what's, what, what's needed. Yeah, you, know? yeah. Have you, you must know, um, jo- Josh Nyland. Is it Josh Nyland? Josh Nyland. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Nyland <laughs> coming from Aussie. But, um, yes, Josh Nyland. Um, yeah, he's doing some great stuff. He's got the fish butchery. I've got his cookbook, yeah, I think I've- <clears throat> the whole fish cookbook, beautiful cookbook, all the photography and the, and the, um, the different cuts of fish. There it is. You haven't even opened it yet. Yeah, I opened it and then I looked at the looked Did at you? the pretty pictures and then was like, oh, that's nice. I'll, just, I'll leave it there. <laughs> it's such a sick book. It's just inspirational just looking at the pictures. I mean, you wouldn't really replicate um, inlet whiting bacon, um, you know, flake. Yeah. It's not something that you just kind of, you know, it's not something you're going to eat every day, but it's he's just doing some really like groundbreaking stuff with the, with the fish butchery, yeah, yeah. which is great. Is, this is what I think... You know, there's, there's, I don't know if you know him, but there's a guy called Doug McMaster, um, who's is sort of like a UK zero waste chef, and um, he's got a restaurant silo in Hackney now, and um, his stuff is just like, you know, next level zero waste. You know, there's like me who's talking about it in like a very simplistic house terms, and like if I can teach you how to cook, you can mm. eat it. We're saving the planet. Where he's like mm. tracing it back to its like origin, and it is just mental. It's just like. Oh yeah, you can make your own cuttlefish fish sauce. Like we use this at Silo. This is how we do it. it you know, and I'm like, I could never do that yeah. in my house because my wife has a go at me for making cuttlefish yeah. sauce. I make I make kombucha, <laughs> and that, that has a bit of like a hum to it. But like making cuttlefish sauce, I don't think it will go down too well in the house. And and obviously you you on the sourdough bandwagon as everybody is <laughs> seems to be making sourdough in lockdown. These I tried days. it. I, I tried making the starter when I was in Switzerland and. It was about 45 degrees and this thing just went volatile and then I think I killed it. And then it it bubbled up so much. I was like, wow, this is really good. Put fed it. It was just overflowing. And I was just like, I think it was too hot. I know what you mean. It's yeah. I have enough trouble looking after myself, let alone a, you know, a bit of live yeast from, um, you know, the the outside shell of a wheat husk, you know, (laughs) but it, it is one of the most rewarding and satisfying things, you know, baking bread and something that I've, you know, really taken on the last couple of years. And, um, you know, baking bread is just the most, you know, that's, that's the roots that, you know, when I, when I have a restaurant, that's going to be the first course is bread and butter, you know, homemade bread and homemade butter. And, you you know, that's a winner. That's something that you find in Michelin star restaurants these days, just because it's gone full circle, you know, they've gone to this sort of stage of fancy, um, you know, molecular gastronomy, you know, that was such like a big thing at at one stage. And then all of a sudden it's, it's come back down and it's gone around. And it's just like you were saying before, you know, it's just, real ingredients like with nice combinations you know Yotam Otolingi he's he's doing some really awesome stuff with his restaurants and cookbooks you know I really I really like his stuff because it's just honest cooking made from scratch that's that's the bottom line just make it from scratch you know what's going exactly and I think I think the thing that is you know happening with I don't see it in restaurants so much anymore because I don't really go to restaurants one because I haven't got any money 
but also because mm. like yeah everything's shut <laughs> but you know you see it on the tv programs is that a lot of the chefs are like using techniques that are like far-fetched but they're not really shouting about this is done in the, in such a way it's just the technique is there now very plain this is this is duck and chip but then mm. the techniques used just like yeah. next level and you're like it's something you probably couldn't replicate yeah. but yeah like you said it's gone full circle and sourdough is such a mad thing i did a live the other night with a, a friend who's got a pizza restaurant and he was just talking to me about flour it was like you know sourdough is flour and water and a bit of salt why would you use bad flour i didn't know flour could go off yeah. i'm so such an idiot i didn't <clears throat> even realize that flour could go off <laughs> yes well have you ever um tried like an ancient grain sourdough like they call it ancient grain they've got all these like latin names you know like and you're just like oh that sounds yeah. exotic but it's true you know like um i've like there's a there's a podcast um from the modernist cuisine you know um, molecular like about all about bread and you just listen to it for hours the history of bread it's just like yeah <laughs> it's mind-boggling eh? you know like how people can talk for hours and hours about something so simple <laughs> it's just it's yeah. science well that's, that's what yeah <laughs> it, it is mad and I, I think bread is one of those ones that i i've got a bit of a a, a love for um for pizza so i think i'm gonna to have to start reading into bread but i end up buying all these books and i just sit there and i look at them and i'm like they're all beautiful like looking at them now i've got a cookbook <laughs> the great outdoors i've got uh sirocco i've got sean brock's book pick you maze hawksmoor and morrow all sitting up there needing to be looked at and read and i haven't given many attention i'm sure they look good in your kitchen you i'm a hipster <laughs> that doesn't want to say that i'm a hipster but i kind of secretly want to be a hipster yeah so i need to get a sourdough star going <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving your work, Marty, and um, you know it's good to follow old mates and see what they're up to. And 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 you you know you're an absolute breath of fresh air to uh, to listen to and 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 um, you know watch. So so um, I look forward to future videos. Oh, dude, no, you're looking good, bro. You're looking Thanks, good. Man. Well, it's, look, it's been a pleasure. Look, let what's I do this. I don't really know how to do it, but tell me where people can find you, like Instagram handle, website, whatever you want to tell us. Yeah, my Instagram is um, at Nick. Walden NZ at the end. Um, also, I've got a sort of like a professional side business, um, Oversea, Oversea NZ. And um, yeah, that's where you'll find like a lot of my culinary sort of wisdom and a lot of a lot of um, my food dishes just sort of presented out there. And it's something that, you know, it's my passion project. And as you know, it takes a lot of time and energy to, to sort of put into it, which unfortunately goes into um, a billionaire at the moment. But looking to pick that up after I sort of leave yachting, the life after yachting, you've got to have a, a game plan. and. Um, yeah, hopefully settle back into New Zealand and um, yeah, I've, I've got a food truck back in NZ as well. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, when the pandemic is over, I'm, I'm hopping on a plane and uh, I'll, I'll meet you in New Zealand. We'll do this food truck together. Absolutely. I'd love to do a collaboration with you or something, do a little pop-up, um, you know, we'll do like a little festival pop-up, find a little corner or something. And um, yeah, we could just do like a little live demonstration, cook some Kai Moana. Mate, I've had this idea for ages and I think it will go down really well in New Zealand because the way you pronounce chips, you say chips, 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 chips. chips. Right, so it's oh, called chips, chips and Tits. And it's basically, all we do is make really nice chips and then we do it like <laughs> Hooters style with like good sauces. <laughs> chips and tits, oh sweet. Um, everybody loves chips and tits, man. You've, you've, you've hit the nail on the head right, right. there, eh? Chips and tits, uh, pizza, sushi and burgers, you know, that's all you've got to do. <laughs>
Just give the people exactly. what they want, you know, like don't try and fancy schmancy <laughs> this, this stuff. Right, dude. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and I'm going to keep in touch with you more because I feel guilty every time we message each other. It's been like 17 years. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been nice, you know, like just you've been constant there in the background and it's always a breath of fresh air chatting to you, Marty. Yeah, nice one. Ben. Thanks very much for having the chat. No, it's been cool. Um, have a wonderful time in Thailand and uh, say hello to my billionaire husband. <laughs> Will do. Bye, mate. Cheers, bro. Big love, man. The Rubbish Podcast. This is The Rubbish Podcast, hosted by the Lagon Chef. <laughs>